0: Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service an invitation to the world. Each week, we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fall Hipper, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Like many of you this week, I was watching some of the highlights, if you can call them that, of the nomination hearings for Ketanji Brown-Jackson, and I started to notice a little bit of a pattern. It seems like everybody is trying to, like, manipulate everybody around them. Everybody is using the time allotted to them where they could question Judge Jackson's qualifications to the Supreme Court to instead appeal to their own base of voters, using all the talking points and time to be able to nudge the conversation around poorly-conceived, preconceived notions. Any time, it seems. Any time people are able to stand in front of a camera, it seems to be an opportunity for them to signal to a base of support that they might align with their values, which is a wild way to claim leadership in any real tangible way, right? Essentially, these you know so-called leaders in America have become followers of a population of people and carried to the poles of societal discourse on the fickle but strong winds of public opinion. And honestly, it scares me. It's particularly striking to me how easily the conversation shifted from legal debate about nuances in cases to Judge Jackson's personal commitment to legal defense as though defendants shouldn't, as though defendants should be assumed guilty because of the crime that they were imprisoned for. Now that is terrifying. The assumption of innocence until proven guilty with A legal representative working with you is a core, fundamental aspect of our nation's justice system. But apparently that's not the case if you are accused of the wrong sort of thing. The need for people to have swift and harsh punishment seems to eclipse people's desire for justice. It reminds me of the discourse after George Floyd, Sandra Bland, and even Eric Gardner were killed by police officers. So many people jumped to the defense of those officers applying deadly force by claiming something like, well, they must have done something wrong, or if only they hadn't been resisting arrest, everything would have been fine. And then of course, the stories that started being published were about the criminal histories of these victims, justifying deadly force based on past actions. And so rather than deal with the unhealth of our system, too often we jump to the defense of swift punishment without stopping to ask about the justice in our justice system. Of course, we ended up getting there and we ended up being able to have some of these conversations, but boy, was it a fight and it continues to be. It took a lot of people knocking consistently on the door to justice for it to open up even a crag. And now I don't want to equate any of these people to Jesus, except that everyone does bear the likeness and image of God in their life. But there's a pattern in society that is worth noting and it shows up in Scripture. Did you hear it when April read for us today? When Pilate asks the religious elders who are trying to use the justice system to have a rival leader publicly executed, when Pilate asks what he's done to deserve this death penalty, the leaders say, and I quote, If he had done nothing wrong, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. That's the totality of their legal argument. Obviously, because he's here, he's done something wrong, so punish him. A verdict without a fair trial, all because Jesus represents a threat to their power and their position. Now John, the Gospel writer, is telling this story in a very intentional way. Historically, Pilate was not a reasonable man just trying to maintain peace. Historians living in Rome in the first century actually describe Pilate as uncompromising and sort of bully-like. He had no qualms with executing people. In fact, that would be the chief means of maintaining peace—punishment for stepping outside of the lines of Roman, Roman rule. These were the habits learned by the people of Israel and Judea. Stay in the line. Don't challenge the religious structures. Don't challenge the political structures. And Jesus represents exactly the opposite reality. Jesus challenges the structures that marginalize and criminalize justice, challenges the structures that starve and invalidate human life, Jesus challenges the structures that would let someone be cast aside, set apart, or killed. Jesus represents a completely different authority, not guided by popular opinion or by oppressive rule of law. Jesus embodied a peaceable kingdom in which every person is valued with the potential hidden in their hearts, their spirits, and their minds. Jesus embodied the nonviolent ascent to God's reign, where each person is given the opportunity of new life. Each person is emboldened to resist evil, injustice, and oppression, in whatever forms they present themselves. Under God's reign, people do not ascend above others to rule over them. Under God's reign, we join, hand in hand, to call our society to a higher moral standard of grace, of hope, and of love. Because of Jesus's example, we know that our world may punish those of us who step beyond the flow of public opinion and political rancor, but because of Jesus, we also know that resurrection always exists on the other side. We are simply and painfully called to stand for something beyond ourselves, fighting for the created value of all of humanity, regardless, and maybe even because of any cultural, ethnic, racial, or sexual identification, and regardless of any public opinion, accusation, or affiliation, every person deserves to be granted their dignity and true justice. So what do we choose? This is the question that Pilate asks of the religious folks in John's gospel, who do you choose? The religious leaders in the first century chose a man named Barabbas, a political leader drumming up an army to fight against Rome and bring Jerusalem back under the religious rule. This man had been murdered, had been arrested for murder. So who do we choose? Would we choose a nonviolent leader who breaks some laws, challenges some customs, and rebukes violence, who talks about God's kingdom as more expansive than a capital city and a massive land? Jesus is really good at making everyone a little uncomfortable because he challenges everyone to step beyond the comforts of our affiliations and our affinities to see the presence of God in all the people that we hold prejudice against. And that is our path as people of faith, to step into some discomfort so that we're not pulled along by the winds of public opinion and the discourse of a viral moment. Instead, we're called to the deep, consistent work of expanding our hearts and our minds to see the world more and more clearly through the eyes of God. When we baptize new people into the faith, whether infants or adults, we ask either the parents or the person being baptized a series series of questions. And so we have them before us now too. Will we renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil power of this world, and repent of sin? Will we accept the freedom and the power that God gives us to resist evil resist injustice and resist oppression? Will we confess Jesus as our Savior, not any candidate, military leader, or anyone else, not Jesus? Will we put our whole trust in Christ's grace and promise to serve Him as our Lord in union with a Church that is open to all people, regardless of any category that we might put them into? Those questions come with a lot of heavy language, but essentially they ask us to reflect on our allegiances. Are we willing to see how our lives impact the world? Are we willing to acknowledge where our time, our energy and finances are supportive of unjust structures and systems? And are we willing to commit those things, those energies, those resources? to something bigger instead? Are we willing to align our lives with a rejected, crucified Redeemer who offers the world a different path than the one we are accustomed to in order that we might live a new and fuller life? What do we choose? Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org.